Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is Richard Herring speaking on the internet. I hope you enjoy my show, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. It should be quite good. It is free. If you want to help contribute towards the costs of making this and then making other fantastic internet shows, just go to gofasterstrike.com slash rhlstp5 and you can download a video version of this show for just £15 for the whole series. There'll probably be 12 interviews in that. That's pretty good value. Or you can just buy a one-off show for a bit less. Or you can get the audio that you're about to listen to but pay for it. That's your choice. Uh, there's also an option to um, buy badges and contribute either one-off or monthly. But enough about that. Enough of my yakking. Let's get on with Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. I wonder who will be the guest this week. Mm, let's find out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man whose penis is currently travelling in time and is inside Joan of Arc. Man, she's hot. Please welcome Richard Herring. Welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rahel Estepa. Oh, you're much better than last week's audience. Come on, come on. Uh, <laughs> they're just going to get to a point where the whole show is just the same every week. Because I just do the same jokes every week. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's great to be back. Uh, we've got a fantastic guest coming up. Um, I've got another Dragon's Den idea. I've been thinking of lots of Dragon's Den ideas. Uh, this is a, quite a, a niche one, but um, this is a quite a good recipe for you before we get to the Dragon's Den bit. I like, to, um, I like asparagus. I really genuinely like eating it. I know what it does to your wee and my wife's wee, but I like it. 
Uh, and I found that the best way to cook it is to griddle it, because then that's, you know, it's not, it remains nice and firm. And if you put a bit of dark soy sauce on it, that's really, and then it kind of coagulates around the asparagus. It's genuinely, this is a brilliant tip. You'll be glad. Don't laugh. It's, a, it's not a joke. It's, it's, it's turned into a cookery show. You try that. But what's good, if you put quite a lot of soy sauce on, the soy sauce kind of cooks on the griddle, and quite a lot of it kind of sticks and becomes, ruins your griddle, essentially. I know this is quite middle class, right, having a griddle. You know what a griddle is, right? Uh, and, but then if you get it just right, the soy sauce turns into this very chewy, toffee-like uh, thing, and you can eat, you know what I'm talking about, you can eat that. I'm going to make that as a business, just cooked soy sauce as a fast food. You throw away the asparagus, or you can sell that as an, an alternate business. But then it's just a, it's a chewy bit of soy, dark soy sauce that has been cooked. It's the best thing I've ever tasted. You'd have to cook quite a lot of it to be to make it feasible to sell. But that is, that's going to the Dragon's Den, 10% for £20,000. You in? Yeah, that man's in. Let's, have a, let's just show that he is definitely in. There he is. Make sure I've got him. We're getting better. Is that your? Are you together? No. Oh, he's good. You, no, I think you, you both. You look good as a couple. I think the the camera's just uh, focused in on you. You're you two together as friends, and you, this guy's just sort of sat next to you. He's quite. I mean, for one of my fans, to, seriously, he's quite good looking. He looks like a he looks like a young Jesus. Yeah, that's good. It's just a good. You know, it's, you don't want to be like the thirty-three-year-old Jesus. He'd gone off by then. He looks sort of like the twenty-five-year-old Jesus. Before he'd got, you know, famous and stuff, he didn't... We don't really know what he did between the ages of, you know, about three and 30 and 30. That's when he started getting to prominence again. He was like a little shy. He was like a good-looking guy. He was going around to make the most of being the son of God. Uh, good luck, Jesus. What's, what's your name, Jesus? Uh, Matt. Matt. Matthew. So it could be... Yeah. Not that good, is it? Uh, and uh, what, do you, what do you do for a living? You make adverts, boo. What do you, what do you, what do you make adverts? Yeah, thank you. Abu, abu. Uh, what do you make adverts for? Uh, Why are you here on your own when you're so good looking? What happened? No, my mate left. Your mate left. Was he was he upset? Not enjoying it. What did he get upset about? Has he? Has he? <laughs> Have you come here to steal ideas? And you saw the Queen Elizabeth rough masturbation thing, well, we'll make an advert, that bloke wiped with his cock on Elizabeth I, rough. Is that what you were? Yeah, it's for the KFC. What, what, what were you advertised in the past? KFC? Do you, really, have you done those awful KFC adverts that have recently been on? Is that you? No, okay. They're the good ones from the past. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. Don't nick my ideas. I've got you. I've got you under I quite like you've got a uh, you've got a T-shirt that says heroin addict. That's almost like a pun on me, uh, as well as being heroin. Uh, it's, it is a pun. And there's some very smart men here next to the nuclear physicist. He's a nuclear physicist. He could blow you up at any second. I know something. I know something. Oh, they are. They're, they're the, but- the butlers are here. I thought they were. I thought, yeah. <laughs> and there's a, this man looks very smart. And again, quite. What's going on? Why's all these cool? I mean, yeah, not so much you. You're all right. I mean, for a Richard Herring audience member, very, very attractive. But you've chosen to sit next to a bloke who looks like a supermodel from a band. Are you in a band? I was. You were in a band. What band were you in? The Light Wings. The Light Wings. That's not a real band. It's no good. It's no. 
it's no good. I wouldn't know anyway, to be honest. I, mean, I, can't, I met Chris Martin uh, when he was quite famous from, you know, from Coldplay. That's what, that's a band people have heard of. Uh, and I didn't know who he was. And then I met him about a year later and I said, you know what, Chris, I saw your band's album in, for sale in Australia. And I thought... <laughs> he went, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I go, oh, you do. Uh, what, what, went, what went wrong with the light wings? It was all right. And what are you doing now? You should be getting another band because you still look, you know, not rattled. You still look. You're not like Stuart Lee's anus. You are. What were you? What are you up to now? Yeah. What do you? What job do you do? Thames Water. Thames Water. They provide my water. I, I, I think I better be nice to you now because. I think there might be something just arriving in my water. <laughs> it's nice, thanks for coming along, and it's nice to have a pop star in the audience. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's good, he's good. He's a nice, are, you, are you in the light wings as well? No, are you with you, are you his brother? Yeah. Your slightly uglier brother. That's a really... That's, it's bad luck. He's still good looking, though, but comparing... Look, I mean, look. Look, this is what, that's what a normal Richard Herring fan looks like. And then look at that, you're like an Adonis, but I'm looking at you next to him and it ruins everything. You've got a lovely girlfriend slash wife? Fiance. Fiance, oh, that's nice. What's your, what's your name? Alice. Alice? Yeah. What do you do, Alice? I'm an occupational therapist. I, I used to share a flat with loads of occupational therapists. It was brilliant. <laughs> uh, they, were, they were great. When I, was at, when I was at university, no one would live with me in the second year, so I had to go <laughs> and live up on the hill with loads of occupational therapists, but they were lovely. Um, yeah. Did, we, did you have fun when you were a student as an occupational therapist? Yeah, I bet you did. Uh, but th- thank you for all your hard work. For being in the th- I'm welcome. <laughs> you haven't done anything for me yet. Look, we'll crack straight on, because uh, our next guest uh, trying to book a cab to leave. Uh, so, <laughs> he genuinely is, but I don't think he wants to go. I think he's just, you know, he lives in our town. Uh, he is probably best known as the Tory candidate from Birds of a Feather... That is what we've all come to see for him for tonight. Will you please welcome Robert Llewellyn, ladies and gentlemen, from Offer Birds of a Feather. Welcome. Thank you. Take the uh, mic out and speak into it. In your, put it nearer your face. There we and go. And you like can that. speak into it. Yes. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Very good. good. Thank you. Thank you. Very kind. Welcome. Do you remember much of the, uh, the Birds of a Feather <laughs> episode you did? I remember getting a lift to the studio with one of the birds. birds. <laughs> which bird was it? Was it Dorian one? or was no. it... It was one of the other one birds. One of the other ones. Sharon or Tracy? Tracy. Okay, yeah. yeah. It was great and they were lovely. They yeah, were very they sweet were nice. and I was playing a Tory candidate. Were you it hoping you might get back in the remake? A whole day's work. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could have, they, they brought it back so you could, they, they could, they could yeah, bring yes. your character back again. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> What were they like in real life? The birds they, were, were they were weirdly, freakishly like the characters they, they play. Yeah. Obviously, it was written for them, and they've yes. known each other all their lives and all that stuff. I'm yeah. sure it's well known. I didn't know. I didn't know at the time, but I learned. So they're very similar, <laughs> and I think there were quite a lot of similarities f- between their own lives and their husbands. Oh, really? As in, they were inside. Right? <laughs> I don't know. That no. could, could be scurrilous. Yeah, that could, could have started off on a bad note there. Could have done, so yeah, you sorry take about this that. podcast no. down with your lies. It's good, but it's no... Uh, 
it's no good night, sweetheart, is it? Let's face it. You can, you can only come up with one idea like that, Mark some grand, and then you're treading water with your birds of a feather. Um, oh, sorry, I laughed slightly too richly at that particular comment. So uh, I do, I, I do like to go to the Britcom Confessions uh, website, which you may not know about. I don't may... know about that. No, there's no. a website yeah. where uh, people give their sexual fantasies about British comedians. And, right. Uh, oh, I see. So it's not British comedians. That it's not their sexual no. fantasies. It's sexual fantasies that people have about. British we can comedians. set up another website for you. Can, <laughs> can I help? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, okay, now I understand. Robert Llewellyn would... He'd like to... Yeah, whatever. Uh, so, um, there is only one about you, and it's only elliptically about you, I'm afraid. But that yeah. is still better than uh, Holly Mann, who got no, no people want to have sex with right. him. Not even a pervert want to have sex with him, <laughs> as has been proven. Um, this is what it says. I'd love to have a threesome with Rimmer and Lister. Right. No, a foursome with them and the cat... Right. Scrap that and just make it a full-on Red Dwarf orgy. So you come in... So, like, not even mentioned. <laughs> not, even a, not even a character mention. But you are in there. But You're I, in the melee. That's, that's as close as I've got. Would you like that? If that was if 35 that was put, years in the business, <laughs> and that's all I can do. If know? that was put you in that way, yeah, we'll take those two. Oh, no, and him. Oh, and the rest. Yeah, and the rest. Yeah. And the cameramen and the crew. Come on, yeah. come on in. <laughs> We, we, uh, well, uh, it, it does uh, lead me to the question I did want to ask about Red Dwarf. Has Crichton ever tried to suck his own cock? <laughs> <laughs> or would... have you ever dressed up as Crichton, as Crichton and, and tried to suck Crichton's cock? This is, I mean, uh, there's two things. Crichton could very easily because yeah. his head comes off. That's so he could true. just take yes, his head off and just hold true. it there. Yeah. So he could really, like, he could abuse himself quite badly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Does he have any kind of genitalia? Has that been established? No, there's nothing down there except yes, plastic yes. underpants and a trademark. A classic, <laughs> a classic line. Um, uh, no, uh, wait a minute. What, what was the question? It's quite <laughs> have, difficult. You tried, have you ever dressed up as Crichton and tried to suck no, your own cock? No. And the, have the, you, as just as yourself? Oh yeah, I've definitely tried to. Yeah. <laughs> And, and failed, yeah. uh, uh, and, and even went and did yoga when I was about <laughs> 19 to think, well, God, if you really got flexible, yeah. you know, but I never managed, no. Were you the only man in a group of yoga, and everyone's going, Why, what's yeah. that guy doing here? Why is he why doing is he, that? Why is he so interested in getting flexible <laughs> in that particular direction? Yeah, no, I never managed. Um, but the other thing that is important, which is a theory I came up with years ago, with full head prosthetics... Yeah. Is is it, to use it as a form of punishment, particularly for sexual offenders, because if because I've never been less interested in any form of sexual activity or looking at anything or anything to do with sex as when right. you've got a rubber head on. Right, it just does something. And so I thought, well, you could let people out into the community if you gave them a really fucking weird looking rubber head. It would for a start, everyone would know exactly, they would and they would have zero libido. It would just right. completely go. It's, it's incredible. And when you took off the head, was it suddenly? Like one? Yeah, massive, <laughs> massive reaction. Yeah, <laughs> it is an odd thing. I'm going to get onto it later, but we'll talk about it now. I mean, it's sort of an odd thing to be in a in a such a successful show, and presumably you were able to walk down the street and absolutely nobody know who you oh, were. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah, for ten ten years. So I did it. it started in well, late eighty eight, eighty nine, properly, yeah. and then uh, till say ninety eight when we did when we finished series eight, I think it was. And in that ten year period, I think. Once or twice, someone said, "Are you yeah. that bloke?" <laughs> right. uh, you know, which was, and then. I, but if I walked down the street with any of the rest of the cast, I couldn't believe what happened with them. I mean, particularly with Craig, because he would say, "Hey, do you know who I am? <laughs> Hello, I'm Kate Charles. 
I wonder if he listens to this. I <laughs> uh, hope not. But, um, uh, but, you know, that was a real shock to see the reaction they got. But this is at the kind of height of, of dwarf yeah. mania. Uh, and it never happened to me. One waiter in Morton in the Marsh... <laughs> In a lovely restaurant in It's Morton bad when you can remember. If you can name him, yeah. this is even worse. <laughs> who, didn't, who didn't serve me. He yeah. wasn't serving me. He was serving other people up the other end of the restaurant. And he, and he, he came up and he said, oh, can I have your autograph? You know? <laughs> and I went, God, I don't know who you... I'd never seen him before. And I said, oh, how did you know? He said, I, I recognised you from the way you eat. <laughs> And I, I just didn't because he'd, he'd definitely not been. I was had my back to him, yeah. so he'd been seeing someone eating. <laughs> I guess like that. And I was, with, I was with my missus, who was, who has never got over that. She's, it just makes her depressed. If I, I can't talk about that story with her because she just thinks it's too depressing. That's very good. And it particularly as Crichton doesn't eat. No, that's yeah. it. so you're just. Just moving like Crichton has, yeah. you, know, you had to extrapolate. That is how he, if he did eat, he would eat if like he did that. Eat, that is from, how behind. He from behind. <laughs> <laughs> if he had a human head. Yeah. yeah anyway. uh, well, we may, get, we may go out to Red Dwarf, but I've, you've been asked everything about Red Dwarf, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. And there's nothing I can ask you that will... We are making, we're making more, I can yeah. tell you that. Yeah, this year Good. we're doing more. And that's on Dave. On Dave. Yeah. Yeah, Red Dwarf yeah. on Dave. Cool. Well, we might we might come back to it, but we, we might, don't have to. We might. I don't, we might not. Uh, and there's much more. There's more interesting things to be to be said. Uh, I, I've been watching you. I, I found a clip of the uh, maybe one of the first things you did. I mean, you're so ridiculously young. I mean, it's, it's kind of. Uh, what you mean? In, you mean uh, I was? Well, you were in this clip. Young. Yeah. Yes, no, you're not, certainly not now, Robert. Uh, uh, in the Joey's. You were in a, yeah. in a group called the Joeys, and I wanted to establish why did you call yourself the Joeys, first of all, because that has an uh, unpleasant... Yeah, for my generation, oh, maybe it? not for your generation, I, and it's such a politically correct kind of right-on comedy troupe, that yeah, it can't well, be yeah. anything to do... Uh, what, uh, when what? we were at school, there was a... In Blue Peter, there was... They, they helped some guys with cerebral palsy, and one of them was called Joey Deacon... And the, and Joey became like the a, a, a generations right. God, you see that shows that, that. that shows the our age difference. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm was, glad that it's not because I would have just kicked you off the show. If that, yeah. I'd have had because now I work for Scott. Although to... I did my fair share of saying Joey in the in the so you would voice say to someone in the 1970s. You would say 90s. to someone you're a bit of a Joey, yeah. meaning you're yeah. You wouldn't just say it like that though. Right. You, would, you would say it. <laughs> You would say it in a very unpleasant way. So I'm glad that's... Why did you call yourself the Joeys? So, uh, it was a, a guy called Bernie Evans, who was one of the group, came up with the name because he thought it sounded uh, like a clown. Right. And it was short and it was easy to remember. Yeah. He had very good list of arguments. It's also the, a, a slang term from the 1950s from Liverpool. He was from Liverpool. Yeah. Or it's from that area. Uh, uh, for a, a used condom that you see floating in the canal. Right. <laughs> hey, look at that. There's a Joey. <laughs> Which and yeah. it's a budgie, yeah, and a baby kangaroo, baby kangaroo, and it had nothing to do with anything. No, because it I sounds. Know. I mean, it sounds like the Joeys are going to come on, and I mean, it, you, there's an element of clowning in, what, in the bits I saw. There was like, yeah. there's only I think probably that one clip of you very little from Newsnight or something. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Very... Uh, and it's but it's quite kind of po-faced uh, political. It was uh, hard hitting yeah. uh, political yeah. uh, comedy. Yeah, <laughs> people did laugh. Yes. Uh, they did laugh occasionally, or quite a lot. But, I mean, but it's, yeah. so it, it's very much of its time. It's because oh, you know, yeah. it's men being about you know and the macho you know taking the piss out of macho guys yeah. and soldiers. I mean, and you've got but you've got very 
got a very rubber face as a young man, ironically enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know. I didn't know what my face was doing. It wasn't uh, it's very it wasn't expressive, controlled. It's, it's, but also, you got a hell of a lot of hair. Huge amount of very quite off-putting. dark, thick hair. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Hard to yeah. believe now. It's worth having a look at the Joeys. Uh, yeah, what what happened some... to the other Joeys? They all well. What, very sadly, one passed away. Yeah. Uh, uh, who was in that? Who's in that clip? Uh, he passed away quite a long time ago. Uh, one is a uh, a kind of management consultant, really? extraordinarily successful, and uh, the other, uh, the musician Nigel is a uh, uh, teaches. Uh, he lives in Brighton and he teaches industrial design. Right. <laughs> so this was this was this at the uh, heyday of alternative comedy. Was it sort of the eighties? Yeah, yeah. So le- late seventies, early eighties. So yeah. I met them. We met. We met in the late seventies, and we did a few sort of weird cabarets. They were called. Yes. It's embarrassing now <laughs> to say that. Then it was incredibly trendy doing a cabaret. Uh, I don't know what the hell we were doing, and I didn't want to be on stage. I, I wanted to write for it, right. and not and not be on, in it because I was too scared. I'd never done anything like that uh, before, and so and it was this one night in a pub in Dalston in in London that we did this thing, and I did some of the bits. And people laughed. And I think if they hadn't laughed, I'd never have done it again. I was really mortified. I didn't enjoy it. I mean, it wasn't anything I'd ever wanted to do. Yeah. But you then get that bug, you know, yeah. and, uh, and uh, you, know, you went, oh, God, I said something, and everybody laughed. Oh, it's weird. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Anyway, so that's how, so that was about 1980, early 1980. Yeah, yeah. Which now is like a proper long time ago, isn't it? Because I used to lie to people because I wanted to be a real sort of experienced thespian when I'd done nine shows. So yeah. I said, I've been doing it for years. <laughs> uh, where I've been doing it for like 11 weeks. And yeah. then, now I want to lie the other way. Yes. I've only just started. And were you working with all of the kind of alternative comedians around yeah. that? Around I mean, the, the... our first really successful warm-up guy that we did lots and lots of gigs with, in, just around the corner in Covent Garden, uh, mm. was Ben Elton. Right. And he was still a student. So yeah. he was, and he was brilliant. I mean, you could tell that that guy just churned out. Because we'd do the same show every week, and he'd come with, with half an hour yeah, of completely yeah. new material yes. every fucking week. It was just <laughs> it was shocking how much he produced. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, that crowd... Uh, Nigel Planer is a very old mate of mine. I yeah. met him around that time. So that, that sort of... Uh, I guess that first generation of uh, whatever they were, yeah. I don't know. They did, we didn't wear ruffle-fronted shirts and tell sexist jokes. That's about it, really. Everything else yeah. was... <laughs> sexism and racism was like, no, that wasn't right. No. In the 1980s. Well, because I was sort of getting into the stand-up circuit at the end of the 80s, and there, were, there was, you know, there, even then there was still a lot of... It was a similar sort of thing of a very, you know, a right-on attitude yeah. behind what you were doing that nowadays seems... To, it just, I mean, it seems a little bit dated, the joke yeah. stuff, just because... But, oh, it, it, needed, dated, but yeah. it needed to be like that at the time well, because I mean, things were so bad. It's hard to, uh, yes. to imagine how, how uh, virulent the sort of Jim Davidson... So now we can yeah. sort of see Jim Davidson. Even he's toned it down about a thousand percent. But if you, if you imagine a brutally sexist, violent, horrible, racist thug. Yeah. <laughs> that's a comedian. And that's what comedy was about. You yeah. know? And it was fucking horrible. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't uh, well, Even, the, even the stuff that got on TV. I mean, yeah, the, that's the, on telly. The, the yeah, comedians yeah. was, you know, which I loved yeah. as a kid because it was yeah. people telling jokes and I didn't necessarily get yeah. what was going on. But it was very, you know, sexist. Yeah. And it, I mean, even the mother and little jokes were the, the, the least of it. So it was, it's kind of an amazing, and that 80s stuff is, a, is an amazing time, I think. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it's... Yeah, I don't know a lot of. <laughs> a lot of I think even the young ones. Did you do? Were you in the young ones? No, did you, no, no, you didn't no. get there. No. Uh, but that I love. I mean, I so love that. At the it's time. stunning. Uh, but it's, I can't. Great. I find it difficult to watch now. Yeah, it is, <laughs> I mean, it is weird how it's dated. Yeah. And bottom, I was in bottom. Yeah, bottom was right, yeah. bottom was extraordinary because it was just 
So, <laughs> so, so I mean, I, could, I was ashamed because by the time I was watching Bottom, I was old enough to think that that sort of puerile humour was really not necessary. And I would literally wet... There would be a wet patch on my trousers <laughs> because I was laughing so much. I mean, just pulling out a no, nasal hair with a pair of pliers in a bathroom. <laughs> Two grown men. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous, but just, it did make me laugh. No, they... Yeah. yeah, fantastic. And, um, and well, I was quite interested to see that because I, I, I owe a lot of my uh, uh, laughably called career to um, Paul Jackson, uh, yeah. who, uh, who was the Young Ones producer, but he, he discovered you for the Red Dwarf for, part. For Red Dwarf, yeah. And you were doing a show about being a, a robot in uh, the called, uh, Mammon yeah. Robot Born of Woman. That's it. Yeah. yeah. What was that show like? God, that was fantastic. Cutting edge. <laughs> that was a cutting edge show. It was a Perrier nominee. How oh, was it? Yeah, I didn't win. Jeremy Hardy won. Oh, was that you? Yeah, but uh, did uh, no. It was really good fun to do. Um, uh, it was a it was a play about a robot. Really. Yeah, I'd been, I, I'd been to see. Uh, I'd been in America the year before, and I'd seen. The, I went to the premiere. Only time I've ever done it in my life. The premiere of RoboCop right. in in Hollywood in Man's Chinese Theatre with all the actors and like proper famous people and yeah. red carpet and the hands and the hands. And got Mines, the hands. Yeah, the hand. There. Didn't test any hands. I, I, must admit, I should have done. Uh, and, and Robocop was, you know, a, a, a Robocop is, a, is what it is. Yeah. And I just thought I'd love to do a, 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 I wanted to do a movie about a robot that was nice, which is so spooky now. You yeah. know, it wasn't, didn't go around killing people yes. uh, or shooting things or whatever. It, it didn't have guns, but just sort of tied it up. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I mean, how, now looking back, I mean, this is two years before I met Robin Dargu, right? Yeah, Red Dwarf. Yeah. Kind of spooky. You know, basically yeah. a robot that does laundry. Yeah, <laughs> and so you'd sort of auditioned for the part without knowing, without even knowing no, there was a part. Yeah, there wasn't no. a part then. But no. I mean, that was. Uh... So did they write it? Did they write it based on you, or did no, they not at all? It had been uh, there had been an episode, which is the one episode of Red Dwarf I'd never seen, which had Crichton in it, right. uh, played by an actor called David Ross. So it's quite a different performance, uh, and, uh, and he's a lovely guy. He's been in Red Dwarf since. He was the the voice of Talky Toaster for anyone who might be interested. <laughs> uh, uh, so it was no. It, I think they they uh, it took the, uh, like the first series. They then saw they kind of changed it uh, yeah. and it sort of wrote it for me more then. But initially, no, it was their thing altogether. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'll go. <laughs> I'll go to an emergency question. Oh yeah. Um, I'll ask. I'm going to go old school. Uh, would you prefer to have? Um, can't remember what the question is now. It's so old school. Would you prefer to have a hand made out of ham yeah. or an armpit that dispensed sun cream? Which of those would you prefer? And you can ask any questions you like about that right. if you don't. I, did, I know I, you're aware of this question. I'm aware. I've heard this question before uh, after diligently listening to the <laughs> recipe. Um, it made me anxious. I had an anxiety attack when I was walking the dog the other day. Really? About the, the junction between the human, you know, flesh and the circular, circulatory system nerves yeah. and the ham. Yeah. I sort of had this, oh God, you imagine like if you had a really deep cut on, on your body somewhere and you, you pushed, cooked ham into it. I just went, oh, that's got to be fucking horrible, you know. Because I, I like that. I went. I, yeah. I thought when I first heard it, I thought, "Oh, I'd choose the ham hand." Yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah. like, I don't mind a bit of ham. Yeah, I'd probably nice. put a bit of gherkin with it or something. You can do that. But then I got worried about the junction. Yeah, now, that is an interesting because nobody has been worried about the junction. Not, now you, no one ever mentioned now you, it. I think that's because you're used to having bits of body parts I've had put lots on top of, of you. <laughs> I've so had you're lots thinking, of how would this hand fit? How, how would it, it join on? And what yeah. happens with the joints? That is yeah. kind of terrifying. Where yeah. the bones. 
go yeah, in. Yeah, your the... bones. Are, so if you haven't got a hand, so it just yeah. you like there's a you severed at the wrist and you've yeah. got a ham hand. So yes. that made me quite anxious. So then I thought, well, well then uh, the 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 the, the is it armpit? The, yeah, armpit. Your stuff comes out of your armpit. Yeah. But then I thought, oh, then there's glands there. There's all yeah, kinds of other stuff. Yeah, think about that. How does that connect? So what, where does, how deep is the reservoir of sun yeah. cream? And, yeah, and could you like alter your diet? In, in, you know, that, that would then produce either a stronger or a weaker sun sun cream. <laughs> You know, I've, I've always said that it will stay the same factor all the way through, so you can't. Yeah, so you can't so you do choose whatever the, the factor is. Because presumably it? you're secreting this. Yeah, in well, some you know, way, you organically. Not, it does. You, you have a valve that means you can control it. I, yeah. I don't want you walking around no, with just, just sun cream. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. Well, I don't. The thing is, I don't. I don't. I'm lucky in the sense that I don't. I go. Uh, you know, if I go in the sun, I don't get terribly burnt. Uh, right. In the sense that my skin goes quite brown, and I don't get. Like people, like my wife is very Irish, and if she, if there's some reflected light <laughs> off a distant window that comes through and, and touches her skin, she gets freckles and depressed. You could put the sun cream from your armpit. I on could her. just squirt it on her. Yeah. All the time. In fact, I suppose that might be a, it might be a bonding experience. <laughs> Lift your arm up, darl. I need a bit of a squirt. She's, her voice isn't quite that deep. It's close. <laughs> Depends on her mood. Yeah, no, I'll go for, okay, I'll go okay. for the sun, I'll go sun, for the sun cream. cream. Well, I think, sun you know, you've you made me feel slightly sick about the ham hand. Yeah. Now. I'm never going to ask that question again. <laughs> I, I wasn't really going to ask it anyway, but I will never ask it again. Um, and you do a lot of writing. I mean, you've, you've uh, we'll get on to your books, but yeah. you have written, um, uh, you've written a screenplay for the, of a, the film of The Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah. A yeah. long time ago, yeah. With, like, Kate Winslet and lots well, of people. I didn't it. write it with her, but she no. was in it. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't meet her or any of no. that sort of thing. I uh, love The Christmas Carol. Yeah. There's been a lot of uh, adaptations. There's been lots of, of adaptations. I it did not see your one. You didn't, re- to be <laughs> perfectly frank, <laughs> you haven't left, led a culturally bereft life no. by not seeing I it. Should, um, it wasn't I've terrible. It was, an, an, it was an animated right. Christmas Carol, and it had a couple of things that were not my idea, like a mouse that was a character in it oh. that was slightly annoying. Yeah, that's not good. But the good that. bit is the three... Um, Oh no, that's a complete different job. Just I was right <laughs> because I did I did do a voice. I did, was one of the voices in it, but I can't remember what it what uh, I did. You, I did look at it on. I, 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 I tell you what I did because it was the same company. I did Prince Cinders, which is the Cinderella story reversed, switched around, which was a, a children's book. That's what we book. need. Yeah, it was children's men book. being empowered. That's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> so Prince, so he meets a so Prince Cinders yeah. is, is Cinders, a little boy um, and he, or a young man, and he yes, meets the beautiful that's princess. A bit better. <laughs> he's yeah. a young boy who meets a prince who just fucks him at midnight yeah. there he goes don't yeah. tell anyone I'm going to turn you back into a yeah it was a children's show <laughs> with an enormous amount of bumming in it yeah <laughs> Oh, well, I'm going I'm to look out the Christmas Carol. That sounds to me, the Christmas Carol m- movie, sounds like a good answer for Pointless if we find out who the people are in there. And we can't talk about it too much because it hasn't been on no. yet. No. But we, you, we took each other on at Pointless. We did, I know, but it was weird. Because yeah. <laughs> you, you were quite keen. I, was I wasn't sure keen. what I was doing. <laughs> well, I, I was the only one who knew what the game was out of everyone doing it. Yeah, you were. Yeah. Uh, and I really liked the programme. And I, it grew on me enormously. Yeah. I really I enjoyed it. I bet it fucking did. Yeah. So, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't know when it's on. Do you know when no, it's on? No, I think it's on over Easter. It's, it's so, soon. It's a shame. It? Yeah. Shame yeah. we can't. Yeah. Shame we can't talk we about. We can't it. talk about any of it. No. <laughs> uh, you were on with Dom Jolly, who I, you know, I don't really like anyway. But I thought I think he. I think I. Well, the, the partner I was with made a, 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 quite a bad mistake in the first round. 
which was embarrassing for her. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but Dom Jolly just kept on going he, on about it, he which did, I he, thought was yeah. uh, uh, ungallant of him. Yeah. Uh, but that, uh, that's all I'm going to tell you about it. You, there's no way anyone can work out what happened from that. <laughs> You'll just have to watch. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it. It was. Uh, uh, I will. I will wait, though. I will. I will wait. I think we should. Uh, I will wait. But you also write. When you've been writing books for a long time, there's. A, yeah. there's I, I, I like this title as a book. Uh, this is what maybe your first book, uh, "The Reconstructed Heart: How to Spot the Difference Between a Normal Man and One Who Does the Housework and Is Great in Bed and Doesn't Get All Iffy When You Mention Words Like Love and Commitment." Yeah. Which is pretty impressive as a title. It's a good title, isn't it? And you imagine that just flew off the shelves. <laughs> yeah. well, what, what I quite like about it is it's sort of saying, I, Robert Llewellyn, am good in bed. And don't get the, that's, what I re- that's what you're really yeah. saying there. No. So that, what was it? Was it uh... Well, it was from a show. It was, it was a, 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 a kind of a, a comedy lecture yeah. with comedy slides. Right. One of them was a classic, which was the amount of red wine a woman has to drink before she believes all men are bastards. Right. And it had gradually decreased from 1960 till it was just like a sip in the year 2000. So, you know, it had some good, it had some good visual gags. Uh, and then it, someone said, write a book about it, so I kind of tried to do that. Sounds good. Was, I would, but is it still a, can you get it on Kindle? Or? Oh, you can get it in charity shops if you're prepared to look long enough. No, I wouldn't think it's... Uh, it was a, lo- a long time ago, a long time out of print. I don't know when it came out, in the early 90s. I yes. think it was a... Yeah, uh, yeah, I had to, it's weird how you. I've got two children, and I can only do things in terms of when they were born. <laughs> yeah. So that was before they were born. So it must be, and my son's twenty. So it's got to be more than twenty years ago. Right. Yeah. Good. And so, but now you're writing sci-fi books. Yeah. Been doing that. Which has been great fun. Yeah. yeah. The last yeah three years. So I've got so two of them trilogy. here. I just I just brought them just oh, in, just in case, just in case you mentioned them. <laughs> just so you Let's can see them. So that the, the, that's the first two books in a trilogy. I'm quite excited about that because I want it to be thicker so I'm (laughs) writing the third one at the moment so the science fiction is quite hard to talk about them because they're sort of they're not full of shagging and bumming but there is some shagging (laughs) in the first one but it's very very delicate and and, uh, gentle and humane I'm not so interested in that so (laughs) So, yeah if it's with human beings I'm not that interested so it's called news the first one's the first one's called news from Gardenia yeah uh, and that's set 200 years in the future where it isn't shit. I mean, that's the basic right. gist of it. So it, I think I saw one too many dystopian science fiction yes. films yeah. where there's one man with a gun and he's going to save his daughter and she's on the and he's got to blow away loads of zombies or the yeah. fucking oils run out and everyone's killing each other. All those, there's plenty of them. And they're re- very early on when I started writing, I was like, God, I know why people write those because they're really easy to fucking write. <laughs> Everything's gone to shit and there's one guy with a gun. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, and so to write a story that, that was about uh, the, really following the historical progression of the human yeah. species uh, and to, to sort of project that forward is, is you know, it, it's better now than it was in 1105 or 2000 years BC when life was, was fucking brutal, short, nasty and you died very young. Yeah. We live longer, we're much less likely to die a violent death, all those things. You know, we've got yeah. all those things. And so I just pushed it. So I took that and went with that. So there's a great guy called Stephen Pinker who does a wonderful talk about... Yeah. Uh, he's written a great book called The Better Angels of Our Nature, which is about how it's, it, we're told it's all worse. 
And like my gran would say, well, in the old days, we'd say, you keep our doors open, you can, it didn't matter what happened, you know. And actually, the amounts of rapes, burglaries and murders during the Blitz in London were fucking horrendous. But it's not reported, obviously, because it would have lowered morale, but there was an enormous amount of crime because of the blackout. and people, You know, so we always think it was all marvellous back then, everybody stuck together, nothing. Also, there were Nazis and, <laughs> and bombs. And there were some Nazis and bombs <laughs> you know, in concentration what always, camps. And... What I always love about that, it was always much better in yeah. our time than yeah. when there was genocide going on every- so it's just that, that you know, the statistics of it are yeah. that, you know, if you, were, you and I would not be the ages we are no, a no. thousand years ago, we'd have both been killed in a war or bludgeoned or whatever. Uh, and so to then push that forward to what the world could be like in 200 years if we didn't shit it up. Yes. Uh, and, and, and how society could change. And so that really made me have to think about those things and read a lot about that stuff. And so the, the, the first book is a kind of benign, anarchic, uh, country, this country with no cities uh, with, uh, with everyone has to grow food which is why it's called Gardenia that's the name that we've given this country mm-hmm. uh, because if you don't grow food you haven't got anything to eat because <laughs> there's no uh, you know, all those things have changed but it's technologically highly developed uh, there is high technology stuff being used sure. um, we don't burn, and they don't burn anything so that was the, the, the baseline I gave myself like, no one can burn anything to make anything else right uh, which, if you think, is what we do a lot at the moment. Yeah. And the big downside of burning shit is you can't burn it again. <laughs> and it does other, has other problems. So it, it's a sort of thought, it's a part thought experiment, part adventure story of a slightly nerdy and emotionally blocked person, which I've been told <laughs> by three or four people who've read the book and know me well, it's just an autobiography, it's just you. <laughs> Uh, as opposed to the title of that book about the man being good in bed. <laughs> He's shit in bed and he can't communicate with women. Um, uh, <laughs> which is a much more accurate appraisal. Um, uh, and then the second book is a world where... I then thought about the way society is structured and the way things operate now and how we do uh, make things and generate energy and organise our societies. And I went, well, let's just flip it right over so that women are in control 100% and men do nice stuff, take the kids to school, get coffee, wear nice hats, uh, which is what... So the second book, News from the Squares, that one, is, is a, world, uh, a world entirely run by women. The entire world is run and controlled by women who have... You know, they've got a tough job. They've got to run the sewage system, the, le- the electricity network, transportation, yeah. the education system, the, the city planning, how you feed people. It's quite complicated. They're a bit stressed, a bit grey... <laughs> quite attractive but you know you know under a lot of pressure and the men are lovely and they and they, you know they wear nice clothes and they do they do gardening they don't they're not lazy they're cooking and cleaning and looking after the kids and uh, they they have a lot of coffee in coffee shops and chat and it's and, he, and as I was writing I went I just and the amount of men I've heard from I go can I just fucking go there <laughs> They do shopping for clothes and shit. Yeah, it sounds nice. It yeah. is quite interesting because I think that that's what is interesting about science fiction is nearly always negative about even like yeah. H.G. Wells. They're yes. all they're all they all create an, a dystopia or a terrible situation or you know it's the Frankenstein thing I suppose yeah. at the beginning of it that the medical experiment goes wrong. Whereas in reality, science is as you are pointing out makes the world well, much it, better. In, I mean, in most the, ways, yeah, in most ways. And I mean, I think there are, one of the things that the, where the title comes from is is a book called News from Nowhere by a guy called William Morris, who I always thought was the bloke who did the wallpaper, <laughs> but he was a bit of a sort of social revolutionary, and he wrote News from Nowhere, which yeah. was a wonderful short book about. 
an absolutely exquisite, perfect, utopian society set in 1980. Right. So he, he, he wrote it in 1890, and then you yeah. think, that's one of the reasons I went 200 years. Yeah. <laughs> 100 years isn't enough. It's not enough to do. 200 years, because uh, 1980, from my memory, wasn't a beautiful, exquisite, utopian, delightful uh, wonder world. Uh, <laughs> and, so there's, and, he, and his is, an, uh, you know, I reread it. I read it when I was very young, and I reread it when I started to work on this, and it, is, it's very, it was a very different experience reading it again, but it's... Um, uh, it, it's not got gags or shagging, but, and everyone smokes, which is quite weird. Everyone smokes pipes. Right. They're all smoking pipes. They all they all sit around and philosophise while they're smoking pipes. And I couldn't do that because that's burning shit. That's true. Yeah, so that's true. No smoking. Well, you were talking of burning shit. Um, there was that time you burnt some shit. No, uh, they, uh, <laughs> you uh, you're a big uh, fan, obviously, of the electric car, which I suppose does not burn petrol. There's something must burn to make the electric car work. Not necessarily. Okay. We could go into it, and I could be very dull. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, yes, I in fact came. I was uh, driven here and won this evening, which is rather expensive. Right. From an uh, electric car taxi company. Right. So it's very nice with a lovely uh, Lithuanian driver. Yeah. Yeah. Very bright guy. He hadn't, he hadn't come all the way from Lithuania to give you the lift. <laughs> all on one charge. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think electric cars are going to... It, it, you know, it's, it's, I just bought a car last year, and I was sort of thinking, oh, I should go more, uh, you know, green. Yeah. But then I didn't. Couldn't bother. No, it was fine. <laughs> because it's still, like, you know, it is difficult to, you know, get one that, get, get a really good commercial electric car, is it? Or is it, Robert? No, it isn't difficult. I mean, no. uh, 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 I don't know what you mean, but it is <laughs> difficult. Well, there is are... it difficult to, you know, you sort of think, how, how, how can I charge them, yeah. and uh, how far will they go, and, yeah. uh, you know, will I look cool driving around in them? Yeah. Which I'm not really worried about. I've got, no. a, I've got a VW Golf. So, well, it's all right. I, I was a very... I've driven a lot... I've had many of them. Um, and, in fact, I'm, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to go and drive the... Golf GTE, yes. which I'm very excited about, which is okay. an electric Golf GTI. Yeah. Except it's faster than the Golf GTI. Uh, I suppose the thing is, I don't want to talk about electric cars too much because I do bore people shitless yeah. about it. But I'm oh, sorry, I'll ask a rude question to... afterwards that will change yeah. the tone. Yeah. I'll start looking now. Yeah. <laughs> While I drone on for the next two and a half hours. Uh, the, 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 the only thing I want to say about them is that they're fuel agnostic. Okay. How's that then? So you, you, do say a bit more because I don't okay. understand what that means. <laughs> so I like this. It was a proper scientist told me that yeah, okay. uh, uh, fuel agnostic, which means that electricity comes from lots of different places. Yeah, and an electric car doesn't give a toss which sort of electricity. So you could literally like burn coal and boil a kettle and yeah. make that and have a tube going and make it drive a turbine and it like really fucking inefficient massive amounts of coal and there's loads of fucking CO2 and yeah. it turns a turbine and it charges the car over three weeks and then you're driving the dirtiest fucking car <laughs> in the universe because of the amount of shit that you yeah, burn yeah. or you could charge it from solar panels which I do at home or right. from a hydroelectric or from geothermal or from wind yeah. or from nuclear like in Back to the Future. Like in Back to the Future. <laughs> it might go back in time. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. Whereas with, with a petrol or diesel car, yeah. you, you literally only buy, buy fuel from King Faisal in Saudi Arabia, who's yeah. not, let's face it, one of the biggest wishy-washy, wet liberal tossers <laughs> on the planet. 
I guess it's you know, is it, when you look at it like that, it is an interesting. It's the same way as people argue that you know, getting cocaine from South America actually yeah. doing lots of harm in that area, and lots of liberal people will take lots of cocaine. But yeah, when you think about where petrol and diesel comes from, yeah, it's, it's a bit uh, of a problem. If there, if there wasn't that uh, call for it, then things yeah. would be quite different. I don't know if they'd be better or worse. No, I don't know. That. I don't, I don't know, know if it would be different. Yeah. And I think that's the, and it's a disruptive technology in, in the same way as mobile, you know, cell phones, mobile phones, the internet. Yeah. It's a definitely a dif- disruptive. It disrupts the, the, what we're used to. It's normal to go in a car and fill it up in a petrol station. 99% of people, including me, go to a petrol station, you pick up the thing, you go, that's where petrol comes from, that thing. Yeah. And you put it in the tank, and, it, and then you fucking cost a fortune, fuck, and then you buy a bottle of water, which is more per litre than petrol. <laughs> <laughs> and you moan, but you don't moan about that. And then you drive, and that's, you know, that's normal. But, I mean, even today, in the Daily Telegraph, well-known left-wing rag, there is a report about the levels of uh, airborne pollution, nothing to do with CO2, climate yeah. change or anything, airborne pollution at Buckingham Palace. It's, the, it's one of the worst places in Europe. Right. It's so high. It's because we've got so many diesel taxis and buses. Yeah. And that's changing, and it will change, and it will get better. But, it, it, you know, there, there are a lot of aspects of, of why we might consider using an electric car that aren't anything to do with looking good when you get out of it. Because if you think of it, the people who promote the looking good when you get out of a car notion are three of the biggest tossers that <laughs> British television has ever produced. And I do not want to look like them. I don't give a fuck what I look like when I get out of a car, no. and I don't give a fuck what the car looks like. It can look like a turd. <laughs> I quite like a turd car, actually. Yeah. An electric turd car would yeah, be quite good. That would be quite nice. Yeah. It's just a question of whether it can get you to the places you need to go. You know, I drive around the country a lot. And then yeah. I think, you know, well, I mean, it would be a challenge, but it's less of a challenge now than... Well, yeah. a very quick one. Three years ago, Brian Milligan, BBC journalist, drove from London to Edinburgh in January in a mini E it was an electric mini it took yeah. him four days right. and he had to stop and plug it into a 13 amp thing that you plug your kettle into yeah. it took 10 hours to charge it he couldn't put the heater on it was because it used too much power and he couldn't get to the next place it was a nightmare and a huge amount of press all over the world Fox News in America loved it uh, it was on the BBC and then uh, three weeks ago in January I drove from London to Edinburgh in a Nissan Leaf in 13 hours really fucking boring better to get the train but we did it easily because you can charge them uh, every single motorway service right. all the way between here and Edinburgh yeah. there's a charger that will charge it in 20 minutes right and so we just did it yeah it so that, would, that would be good but with the heater on with a heater on, yeah, yeah that's very good. Yeah. And so you use these cars as you do your uh, podcast, or you used to do your podcast carpool. Are there going to be yeah. more car? Which I've done a couple of times. You have uh, and very enjoyable chat. Yeah. So we've yeah. chatted before. Uh, and uh, are you doing more carpools? I, I hopefully am. I mean, I'm right in the middle right. of, of some sort of. Uh, I think. I think I definitely am. Yeah, I think I can say that. But it, it's, it's it, it, the same format. So, but it it, it looks like we'll, I'll be doing them in a different car each time. So each okay. person it will be a different car. Yeah. So it'll be slightly more car oriented but though I, as soon as you know like when you get the car we don't we never talked about the car no. and I don't want to talk about the car so we'll just drive and and how do you feel about the Jerry Seinfeld similar <laughs> idea comedians in cars with coffee it is, it is intriguing isn't it yeah. <laughs> I mean it's not exactly the same in, the, in terms of production values it's considerably higher <laughs> and I, the guests are a bit better and the I, guests I, I wasn't asked to be on that one. better than anyone I ever had <laughs> no but I mean I, I think I don't think it's uh, it's not an original idea to put cameras in cars no. I mean it's been done before and uh, I think it's fine I mean I'm planning to do hopefully with someone I don't know who yet just absolutely steal it 
So, so I'm just going to do a show called Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee, and I'll do it in some ridiculous car and talk about the car, and then go and get coffee and film it in the same way, and have tracks and a crew with lights and boom, you know, because it's going to be a big crew that does that. Yeah. But it's been hugely successful. It's very popular, and I bet he's pissed off the amount of tweets he's had. <laughs> you stole you. that idea from Bobby Lou. <laughs> he's going, who the fuck is this Bobby Lou? Because it's just you in the car, right? You don't have it's just you and the you sat at the yeah, cameras. I, and yes, the, it's just me and cameras. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, so there's not like a whole like you know camera rig no. on a truck like he has going alongside his Lamborghini. But what a quite look, when you look at it, there's a you've got some you've got a lot of very big names. Yeah, but, no, you've, um, but you've stuff. also had quite. A, I saw you had Alice Roberts, who is the uh, yeah. uh, well, she's a, she's a sort of scientist. Basically, yeah. she does lots of different. Uh, science things. So I saw do a brilliant uh, lecture about embryology the other day. So yeah. I think her new book was about that. But you know, do you choose all the all the yeah. people you have? Yes. So you're kind of choosing quite quite. It's quite an eclectic mixture. It of is. It was. Yeah. People. I mean, there was some. I mean, it would just happen. Just things like the the. Not. It wasn't a particularly popular episode. But I bought these sausages called Black Farmer sausages because they're gluten free. My wife is a celiac. Right. And she could have sausages. And I looked at that and I went, God, that's weird. What's it? it says black farmer. And then you realise that it's, a, it's a, a, a West Indian guy that has a farm in Wiltshire and grows pigs and makes sausages. And right. he's celiac, so they're gluten-free sausages. Right. So then I, I kind of see their PR thing, and I go, so I get in touch. <laughs> and suddenly I've got the black farmer in my car <laughs> who is standing as a conservative MP at the last election. Did you talk about birds of a feather? Didn't talk about birds of a feather. But we got on really well, and yeah. he told me that really I should vote Conservative, right. for the, you know, in the most the nicest possible way. And I said, I don't think I will, but uh, you're lovely. And he was exquisitely dressed, and he has yeah. this lovely farm. And he's uh, so, that, so I love doing that. That kind of completely weird, you know. Basically, I, I did research in a supermarket. Right, yes, that's, that's where I found it. Yeah. But it's mainly again, it's an internet-based thing, which we yeah. had in the the last uh, two podcasts with people kind of doing pioneering on the on the internet. So. Is, is the new series going to be on, on Oh, the yes, internet? just on the internet. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's really its home. I mean, so that got picked up by, by Dave. Again, yeah. I did a series on Dave, which was fine, and it was good, and I was, you know, but it wasn't what I wanted. The whole idea of that always was that it was a, an internet thing, and also that you weren't restricted by length of time. Yeah. That you could do... Some of them aren't that long, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Some are three-quarters of an hour. It yeah. depends on what happened, you know. Yes, yeah, so that's what I like about uh, this show is the uh, is the fact we can talk for a long time about things that aren't interesting to the yeah. audience at all, you can drone and, or, on. or anyone at home. But we, it still it still goes out. <laughs> Fuck them. Fuck them. Yeah. Who's important, Robert? You or me? It is us. <laughs> if your penis could travel through time, yeah. Who would you have? So you can have sex with one person before your penis evaporates. But now, a, again, yeah. I've got a little bit of a question here. Yeah. Which way? Well, that's in terms good, of time. It can go forwards, but then, like you know, who do you want to fuck? I want to fuck. Uh, all I can think of is your own relations in the future, which would be a terror. Who do you know who, who's, who you're going to fuck in the future? But I would think, because there's that song by yeah. either Busted or McFly, yeah. which I'm very proud to say I haven't got a clue, which okay. uh, they're boys they with the sideways same. hair, but and they're now the same, aren't they? I've yeah. understood that. Which is, uh, uh, I, he went to the year 3000 and he came home, or whatever. Anyway, they, it's all the same, but they live underwater. Okay. And I met your great, great, great granddaughter. And you want she's to looking have... fine. And I thought, God, you know, I'll think of some, like, a very, I have a very handsome male friend who's got a, <laughs> yeah. who's got a daughter who is the same age as my children, wrong. Yes. 
but like her, she's stunning. I don't think this is gonna. I don't think this is gonna get. I do not think this is gonna get any better. But not if her. I can just. Not if her. I, I'm not there's no far, blood. But if I could travel, there's no blood relation. But well, I want to go like five generations in the okay. future. And, and have sex with and a have child. sex with no, no with a grown woman with a grown woman who is the great 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 granddaughter of this twenty year old woman. There's I know risk, now. Robert, because is there a know, risk, Robert? Is there a risk in well, that? Well, because you, the, the, the genetic material could get slightly, you know, but one she's of not, my fans could have sex with. Yeah, but she's not. She's no blood relative of mine. So I'm no, not no, saying. No, it's not that. Like, it's just you. At five generations' time, anything could happen. God, I suppose in that time, maybe like her daughter, the woman, like, the girl I know now, her daughter could have married, say, my grandson. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah, then, exactly. oh. or then you know, even could, I mean, that's the least of your worries, to be honest. This <laughs> the psychological thing this is open. Well, I'm talking. I want to go to the future and have sex with someone. I'm just having a punt on might be attractive. It's only your penis that's going, so that's fine. Exactly. You can't exactly. see him anyway. Don't look at the mantelpiece, do you? When you're poking a woman it's in the, the year the three thousand. The, the other thing that made me anxious was how thick was the is the matter. The dark matter yeah. of the, the where the wormhole is because if it's like really thick, yeah, it wouldn't reach. You know that would be so depressing. You've got this fantastic opportunity to have sex with yeah. your best friend's daughter's great 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 granddaughter, and it might be a grandson though. That's the problem. There's no guarantee of the gender. If you go, I'm five generations, whatever the child right. is, the grown child is. <laughs> this is. I mean, the, the thing is, they can't, there's not a court in the land that can touch you for this. No, or not until you're well long dead. Actually, if it was a... Oh, just now I've had a bad thought that I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you've had a bad thought. It's not thought. bad. It's not bad. It was just sort of inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, I would edit it out, but because of pointless, I'm going to leave that in. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> whatever it is that happens. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen a ghost? No. Hmm. No, sorry. Have you ever seen a Bigfoot? <laughs> I've, I, I have seen some yeah. fucking big feet, uh, but not an actual Bigfoot, no. Yeah. Size 19. Imagine uh, when... Uh, really? Yeah, he's, size he's, 19. He's feet I, I used to make shoes, so I made a oh, pair you? of shoes for a man who had size 19 feet. Who did you make shoes for and why? Oh, all sorts of people. But, I mean, he, was, he, stayed in, he stays in the memory. <laughs> he, he does, but what, very, who were you working feet. for? Selling, did you uh, to... I used to work for... Oh, look, they're still there. James Taylors, who are oh, yeah. shoemakers just off Marlborough High Street. Oh, yeah. And John Lobbs, who are in St. James So, like, Street. proper smart proper shoes. Proper smart shoes. John Lobbs is where James Bond had his... Right. You know, in the stories, had yes. his shoes made. And Charlie Chaplin saw his lasts. He had quite small feet. Right. You saw his lasts. Yeah, so the last is the wooden mould yeah. that the shoe's made on. Yeah. So they, kept with, them. they kept them all there. Just no, in case. Wasn't. You never know. You might you come never, back. <laughs> you never know. Time travel. Mr. Chaplin's <laughs> come back, sir. <laughs> Funnily enough, I'm reading a book about... I've just read a book about this coming out that's been out in Germany about Hitler just waking up and being alive again in the, in the present day. Wow. After he's committed suicide and he's suddenly alive again. So, you know, you never know. Never if he know. can do it, Chaplin can yeah. do it. Yeah. Anyone with that moustache can do it. Um... <laughs> And so, are you an expert? Were you? Is that a skill you've uh, properly acquired, or can anyone go and oh, make oh, no, shoes? No, I did an apprenticeship, and I was a pro- I was a shoemaker. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know it this for, at all. Uh, is this is this a known fact about you? I, I think it's not something I've kept deep. Didn't, see, on, other, didn't see it on Wikipedia. Uh, yeah. Hey, it's not on Wikipedia. <laughs> no, just... I did do it. So, I mean, I did it. But, but uh, when I start, when the Joey's started, I had quite different hands. Right. Because a shoemaker's hands. 
are, uh, you know, you can crush metal with them. They're very strong. You know? right. So you're working with them all day. And, and black fingertips, because the metal uh, the, of the tools you use and wet leather tends to stain your fingers. So I was always very ashamed of my fingertips. I was probably performing like that, which yeah. probably people thought is very dangerous. <laughs> yes. Lunatic young man with enormous, thick, dark hair. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so if you need new shoes now, do you just make your own shoes? No, I would love to. It just It's very slow and painful. And I've still got all the tools, but I, I, it would take me a long time to do it, I think. Make your own shoes, man. What are you thinking? I mean, I have made my... I've still got shoes I made, but yeah. this is like 30 years ago, so I haven't done it for a long time. I'd, make, I'd be making my sh- own shoes every day. I'd have a new pair of shoes every day every if day. I was you. <laughs> I'd just throw them away. I'd make them, put them on, go, mmm. Mm. I mean, there is a, it is an experience that's hard to communicate if you've never had it. But if you have a pair of shoes made for you, yeah. it's weird. I mean, or you make your own or whatever, but you, when you put them on... It's like you've put on a brand new pair of shoes that fit, yes. <laughs> which normally, you know, brand new shoes don't. And so they're very. They don't uh, these one, these one. Because I think I've got like some posh shoes. These are really fucked now, but they were these were quite expensive and posh. Yeah. But I know they they really hurt for ages. They yes. really rubbed for ages until they got the right. And also, I just kept slipping up because they. Because they, they don't have yeah. any soles on them. What are you meant to do about that? That's stupid. Well, I know it is. It is a problem. But they make a really good sound <laughs> yes. if you've got really good ones when you're walking. On yeah. London pavements, a little bit of grit. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, no, they're lethal. I've fallen over so many times. And London also, when shoes. you stand on chewing gum, it really sticks oh, to it's it. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Just buy your shoes from uh, Clark's. Yeah. That, is my, yeah. that is my advice. And then you can have a go on one of those machines. So you put your foot in. Do they have one of those? So, uh, the, the, no, the, the no, because they do it with it. I'd love that. <laughs> See, I think there's still a side of me that wants to develop a kind of 3D printed shoe thing. It's actually, yes. in fact, I describe it in News okay. from the Squares, but, chapter 15, I think. That would definitely, that would definitely. you just put your foot in a thing and yeah. you just get a shoe and it's there and you go, fuck, and it fits absolutely exquisitely that would definitely immediately. Am. Also, when I went, so I don't, I've been skiing this year, which is the first time, oh. and that was the worst thing about it was just the boots hurt they so badly. Ridic- no, I refuse to do it. I just think if anything slips under my feet, yeah. I want to get away from that area I don't want to stay there though, no. but it doesn't appeal I'm the same but I was, my wife made me and that's what happens when you get married I didn't realise you have to do stuff for the other person I know never but, get married that but, is my advice but my wife ma- I don't my mean, wife it's goes not going to happen for you but uh, <laughs> never get married Jesus <laughs> apart from to that lady how are you two getting on are you, is it going alright yeah right. yeah, yeah it's, I mean you're, he's a nice young lad isn't he for you he's a younger man <laughs> that nice 15 years old he is <laughs> <laughs> sorry if you're also 15 <laughs> it, is, it is dark down then uh, so uh, yeah let's oh, I was going to ask you about the time you got Tabasco on your penis but that was Ollie Mann who I forgot to oh, ask yeah. that's the f- I forgot to ask him about that. Um, oh, my, my sound guy, George, uh, wants to talk, and I hope you are in this, because I didn't see this in any right. of my research. Uh, he loves Hollywood science. Oh, yeah. Has Peter, have people seen this show? Anybody saw Hollywood science? Yeah, yeah. some people have seen oh, it. Oh, good, some people saw it. So you can recreate, you had to, he tend, he there was one where you had to piss on a shirt. Yes, piss on a shirt, yeah. And what Hollywood film is that uh, in? Um, <laughs> uh, Somebody else. It's 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 Jackie. Ch- it's the first movie I ever saw Jackie Chan in. Right. So it's Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson. Shanghai Noon. Shanghai Noon. So Jackie it's Chan. Audience Wikipedia. They're in a they're in a prison. Yeah. They're in a, like a Western jail. Yeah. You know, a cowboy jail. And uh, Jackie Chan says, uh, "Ben Bar, wet shirt, wet cloth, very strong." Something like that. He yeah. does his lines, and and Owen Wilson goes, "Oh." I just love his voice, but I can't do it. <laughs> well, all right, let's get the shirt wet. And then Jackie Chan turns around, pisses on the shirt, wraps it round the bars, 
twists it with a with a bit of wood, and it bends the bars and they can escape. And, wow. and the line Owen Wilson's line is, "I thought you said wet shirt, not piss shirt." Because <laughs> anyway, so if you wet linen yep. or cotton, it strengthens it enormously. It's a and would you be out and did you try and then we did it we then prison. recreated it and we could, we bent hugely thick rebars reinforced steel bars they used to build in buildings that's quite and dangerous only because now loads of criminals are going to be able to escape <laughs> yes. to your, if but they've seen this program not that I've spent a lot of time in prisons but one of the few times I've visited mates they don't have that sort of cage thing <laughs> oh. they have a massive fucking steel door yeah. Yeah, so it would be harder to bend that with a shirt yeah well, well, so it was just re- it was it was looking <laughs> it was, at the science, it was looking at the, the science whole, behind the things and whether it would be plausible. So the classic was uh, it was a guy called Jonathan Hare that was the, the proper scientist I did it with, and it was uh, Bruce Willis jumping off the Nakatomi Tower yes. in the first. With this, was that the second? The first, no, the first one, one uh, with the with the thing tied round his yeah. waist, and so and they, we worked out from watching the film very carefully what how far he dropped, and it was about <laughs> 120 meters. And then it goes, ching, and it goes tight, and he goes, like that. But what would actually happen is, you'd, as he said, you'd have Bruce and Willis down at the bottom of the tower. Because <laughs> you'd be falling at terminal velocity, and it would just literally snap the wow. human body in half. If it didn't have any elasticity in it. So you didn't try that one? We didn't try that. We tried that one with, a, with an action man out of the bedroom window of the house we were filming in. We did some really good stuff. Uh, yeah. It was great fun to do. That sounds like a great idea. We made soap, like they did in um, Fight Club. But we didn't use human fat. We weren't allowed. We were, I wanted to, and we could have. We were getting in touch with liposuction clinics to see if we could get them with mocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But they weren't, we weren't allowed to do that. Right. But we used pig fat, which is incredibly worryingly similar. Yes. Pig fat and human fat, and we made soap. And I had, a, I had a bloody shower with it, which is a bit embarrassing. Drank my own piss. <laughs> and they wouldn't let me cheat. That was uh, that was from Waterworld. Uh, uh, was, was it Waterworld? Kevin Costner. Yeah, was yeah. It Waterworld. And you see him piss in a jar, and he puts it through a reverse osmosis machine, okay. pumps it through, and then he drinks it. And they made me do that. So we had, a, and it, it, it was still warm. It was really because <laughs> we did it like literally there on it, like in a lab. Yeah, pump it through. So it got all the stuff out. Got all the, it was absolutely so it was water. water. I mean, I didn't think it wasn't water, but it was the fact that it was still slightly warm. And they made, and I said, "Can't we just put Evian in it?" And like, you know, I'll we'll pretend they were. They were all all the people behind it. The producers and directors were all scientists, and they were very they were sticklers for reality. Yeah, but it was good fun to do. And you know? I would love to have done more, but it was it was a boring story. Why we didn't do more? But. Oh. If that sounds like, if I if this takes off, yeah, and we make loads of money from yeah, these badges, let's do another series of badges. <laughs> if I sell, you could say if you sold all those, yeah. we could do a whole series of Hollywood pay, science. If everyone who listens to this pays a pound, <laughs> then we can make Hollywood science. Well, it'll, probably, it'll have to be more than that because I'm going to make some of my own stuff first. If, I, <laughs> if, that, if that happens, but then we'll get on to we'll get on to that. And oh yeah, you I wanted to talk you 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 had a car crash in your car. I did. Yeah, in yeah. 2009, in one of your electric cars. A, a, a hybrid, to be yeah, spe- technically specific. Okay. Yeah. Of, and I was very lucky, really, that I'm not dead, I think, probably. I don't, I, uh, the weird thing about it is I have absolutely no memory of it oh, at really? all. It's not so, much good for this No, podcast. it's not really anything I can say. The good thing, the good thing <laughs> was... Because you got knocked out, you were actually I was like... unconscious for, I think, about 20 minutes. Wow. You know? I don't know. And someone tweeted that I was dead which was a bit alarming when I looked at Twitter sort of two days later <laughs> and there was sort of RIP and all that stuff. Oh, my God. So what, because they'd been there at I the scene? I think they'd been there. It was at a, quite a busy junction and yeah. there was quite a lot of people passing. So someone, I don't know, I have no idea how that happened, but it yeah. was sort of, uh, you know, I don't know. Because obviously if you were unconscious in a car that was literally torn in half, I mean, it was in two pieces. Was it? 
Yeah, so it wasn't. wasn't but it was the other guy's fault. The other guy's fault, and thankfully he was insured. He wasn't drunk. He he admitted full liability. It was in country roads because I live out in the sticks. Lethal. Yeah. Just stick to driving around London. It's much safer. (laughs) Well, you don't go fast enough in in London to have a serious accident. Yeah. So he went across a junction on a. I was on the main road, and he was on a narrow lane at the side with a massive, fucking (laughs) huge red stop sign, and he didn't even brake because there's no skid marks or anything. He just ran straight into me. But, but I don't remember. Marks. So yeah, there's not really a lot. Like, so, <laughs> uh, 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 what do they got? Uh, curtain airbags, apparently, which are the ones that are at the side. Yeah, I, I didn't even know the car had them, but that's what saved my life. Yeah, so they all must have gone off. I just came round in. Well, I felt I was in like a, a 1900s sunny. It was in the middle of the summer. A sunny kind of. Uh, drawing room with lovely white linen curtains. I was ever so happy. <laughs> and apparently I'd been saying weird shit to a policeman who uh, it was very charming. And he said, right. and I sort of went, hello. And there was a policeman's <laughs> head coming into this lovely sort of Victorian sitting room. It felt lovely. It was all peaceful, very quiet. It was the, the least alarming way you could come round from a very, quite a serious road accident. Yeah, yeah. So I was very lucky. And so after that, were you nervous about driving again, or were you just fine with you? I think I was a bit for a while, but I mean, and I was a bit, there was um, Graham Linehan, uh, the writer, I did a couple yeah. with him not long after, and there was a point when I braked very hard, <laughs> when we were probably 500 metres from a, from a pedestrian crossing, and I saw someone crossing, but we really weren't near. So it's like, oh really, that's fascinating. So the IT go, <laughs> and he went, oh, what was that? And I went, someone crossing the road, look, right down there. And so I was obviously a bit... Extra careful. Yeah, it could change the interviews quite a lot if you're yeah. just screaming in the face of... <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> no, but I did get over it. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so that... I sometimes ask what's the closest you've come to death, but I'm guessing that's... Well, I suppose it. that probably is. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of uh, any other... Um, yeah, it's not in, in, not, not in those terms. No. Wow. Uh, well, I'm glad... A Glaswegian man... Glad you survived. ...threatened me once, but... Oh, really? I, I, I can run quite fast. <laughs> Well, I could then. I wouldn't be able to now, but yeah. Um, let's see what else I've got for you in my little sleeve. <laughs> uh, I've, got, I've got my sleeve. Where, how, what age were you breastfed until? <laughs> Haven't asked that one for a while. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I, I would guess two, no. knowing my mum. Uh, it wouldn't have been... Uh, I don't think it wasn't 12. OK. Yeah. Because I saw... Just for, I was thinking about that question again, because uh, Izzy Sooty was breastfed until she was about four or five. Right. Weird. Uh, but I saw, like, a, a, a couple on the tube on the way here with a baby, and I said, like, oh, that baby's really big. And then I realised they'd kind of had a, basically a three-year-old size child. Right. But it was still dressed in sort of baby clothes and had, like, wow. a pacifier and everything. Wow. It's a bit weird, isn't it? I don't know, yeah. I mean, children are odd. Then I kind of wondered what the oldest anyone's had a pacifier in until, because I bet there are quite odd. But then I thought I'd quite like to introduce that for adults. Yeah. I used to to, sit on the tube sucking a little nipple, wouldn't it? Yeah. I used to use my son, because my son had one, and I used to use it. It was great. I'd drive with it sometimes. I'd fight because they were everywhere. Well, we were always losing them, so we had them yeah. everywhere, all over, everywhere we yeah. went. Because you always went, you would be, you'd start kicking off, and you'd, you'd just, <laughs> you know, it was the volume knob. And then I'd yeah. find her in the car, and I'd. <laughs> quite nice. We all like that's yeah. the nipple in her mouth. There's yeah. no one who doesn't. There's no one who doesn't like that. No. Do you have an idea for Dragon's Den? That I can, well, that we can push. I've got well, I've got one because yeah. of dogs and dog shit. So right. I'm really not keen on dog shit. No, strangely, that and uh, we've got a little terrier dog we've had for years, who's like sort of auto. She's like an eye dog. She just does stuff. I don't know what she does. She's there. She doesn't make any noise. She doesn't 
bite people. She doesn't <laughs> do anything. She's very obedient, walks right by my heel, doesn't need to be told. I've walked right across London with her with no collar on, and she's just there like nice. that. Really good little dog. And then last year, for some reason that really, really evades me, it's all about marriage, it's all about compromise, it's all about understanding and loving your partner, regardless. <laughs> a fucking great stick insect of a lurcher dog suddenly arrived in my house and shat everywhere. <laughs> And I don't know who... I just went... I looked at this creature that was like... grinning at me like that. <laughs> just lakes of canine faecal matter. Yeah. And then I discovered that my daughter found, thought it was funny because he eats grapes. Well, grapes are not only bad for dogs, but they are like instant mega diarrhoea. You know, yeah. so, so we got over that. But then I thought... Because I, when I walk with him, you've got to pick it up. Well, the yeah. little terrier... You know, it's like a peanut. Come <laughs> It's all dry and, you know, it's just really neat. You pick that up, not a problem. I'm not offended by it. I'm quite happy to do it. When he does it, it's like a fucking log. <laughs> it's just gross and it quite often of loose, um, a loose yeah. nature. So, I so, just but, sort of can't work out where this is going. That's what, well, okay. I don't know if you're going to start selling dog manure or something. So there was that. Well, then a couple of years ago, <laughs> I did a programme in Holland with about a guy who builds autonomous drones. Right. And I know that drones, uh, drones are trendy. Well, they've probably gone off a bit now, but they were trendy. <laughs> and I suddenly thought, because there was that footage of the Amazon drone that was delivering to your door, and I yeah. went, I like that. That is good. So there's a drone that is like constantly just behind your dog. <laughs> and it's got a camera on its ass. That's where it's locked in. And that's it. You set the target up. You've got to set it up first. Yeah. You use your phone. You set it up. You know, stay there, stay there, stay there. <laughs> they're fucking brilliant drones. Are. They just and it would hover just at that height. And, it would go, and then it would have sensors. Yeah. It would have smell sensors, heat sensors, because it yeah. would obviously be able to... It would need to pounce on it. So the dog does a shit, you're walking along. <laughs> takes it into a sort of bag. Yeah. Oh, fuck, it would be gross. <laughs> it would have sort of fingers that would self-clean, and then it would fly with you until it was near a bin, a suitable yeah. repository, and it would go... Yeah. And, I mean, that, I would pay serious proper Would money. you? Yeah. I think you'd a, need to, to probably a... pay about £50,000 for it for it to be a they're commercial not that, No, that's the problem with drones. They're, t- they're cheap. They're really I mean, cheap. They're, in the sense of... The, the, the... I think the, sh- the dog shit guidance one would be more expensive. I don't know. Because the, the, the one we saw, the one we saw it, it, it was an autonomous... This was autonomous. Yeah. Didn't need, you didn't have to steer it with a, like radio control like right. planes like in the olden days. <laughs> and, it, and that one had a, 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 a facial recognition cameras, like five yeah. built in. All, yeah, and facial it looked like... Yeah, facial. What did yeah. I call it? Yeah, fecal. No, yeah, not fecal. <laughs> not fecal. <laughs> not not, not dog anus. We need <laughs> fecal recognition. But that, and that one could also, clearly, you could mount a small, very small firearm underneath it. Yeah. So it flies up to you, it sees you. Oh, it is Richard Herring. Yeah. It would do three. Two to the chest, one to the head. <laughs> yeah. Tap, tap, tap. Yeah. And, that's, and then it goes off and it can crash. It doesn't matter. It costs 20 quid. They're dirt cheap. <laughs> quite it's boring. a dangerous thing, though, because if you know, have autonomous flying pooper scoopers, you know, they could turn on the humankind. They could. <laughs> or they could just go, <laughs> yeah, drop shit release. Oh, that would be, that would be bad. Yeah. Okay, so I don't think, you don't think it's going to work? I don't it? think it's going to work. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we, your tax is probably going to be here soon, so we haven't no. got too much. <laughs> we haven't got too much longer, but we will. Uh, we'll ask a bit more. So you were actually backstage. We were talking about. Uh, Sci-fi fans, and do you, do you, go, do you go to the uh, do you go to the uh, conventions? conventions I, I mean, not a, a lot, but I have been definitely, yeah. and then certainly the big ones in America are uh, an experience that one yeah. one 
carries with oneself. <laughs> <laughs> I know there are a lot of US fans of the UK Red Dwarf. Yeah, yeah, yeah surprisingly. I mean, not, not universally. I mean, it's in very specific cities where it's been shown. It gets shown on PBS in America. Right. So it was shown a lot. There's definitely a, a, a cult, very culty fan base. I mean, some, there was one period where they showed all of them like in a big splurge yeah. uh, on all the PBS stations in America. And there was a time when there were far more numbers of people watching Red Dwarf in America than here. I mean, right. It was like sort of 22 million or something, well, you know, yeah, which is well, like, you know, when we'd, we'd be... I think we touched 10 million here at, at our very peak. But, you know, well, so Operation U-True will be on to you about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the time comes. But you've probably got 10 or 15 years yes. before it gets to you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Especially if they do retrials for everyone, it's yeah, going to take, it's going to take yeah. a long, long time. It's going to go on and on. It's going to yeah. go a long, long time. But you did a US version of Red Dwarf, and yeah. you were the well to begin with. You were the only one of the of the actors who was in the, the, the British. Version. Yeah. And how did it go? Uh, not good. I think. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was yeah. great fun, and the people who were in it were great. They were very nice people. Uh, but uh, it was a kind of weird experience. And I mean, I'm really glad it did it, but also I'm more glad that it didn't. Work, right? Because then I'd have had. Well, I wouldn't have had to stay, but I've had to choose. Am I going to go and live in Los Angeles? And out of all yeah. the cities I've been in America, I think that's my least favourite. To actually have to live there would <laughs> yeah. be not pleasant. So it wasn't something I desperately wanted to happen. No. So, what went? What? What? Why didn't it work? Oh, no, I mean it, it really isn't to do with the show or anything. It was to do with the politics of the studio system and the t- yeah. TV industry in America, and it was unfathomably complex, complicated. Right. I can't even remember all the ins and outs of it. But I was very grateful not to be at the blunt end of that. You know, I was just <laughs> faffing about. And also, you get treated in a totally different way as a, if you're on the screen in America. Yeah. It is the equivalent of royalty here. You know, it's you just get ridiculous, unnecessary privileges right. that you don't. I felt guilty about being sort of, <laughs> you know, tossy middle class twat. Um, you know, and all those things. So a huge uh, ex basketball player, I think he was seven two, seven foot two, told me that he showed me where my parking space was in the in the in the studio lot, and and, I, and so he was doing that. That's where you park your car. If anyone else parks a car, you tell me, and I will personally come out and kick their fucking ass. <laughs> I was like that, going, and I went, I haven't got a car. <laughs> it didn't matter if anyone else parked in that space, even if I didn't have a car. You know? so it was just a weird world. And you didn't want that. You didn't want that world. No, no, not not like no. It was bonkers because yeah. one one time I walked when I the first week we were doing it. I stayed in a hotel. I can't remember where anywhere. Uh, Universal Studios, that's where we were shooting it. So I stayed in some hotel that was probably three-quarters of a mile away up a hill. And I went, oh, I'll walk in, because we were in the studio all day. It was sunny, it was lovely. So I walked down the hill. That, that, I may as well have created a terrorist attack. <laughs> they went fucking apeshit, because I didn't get in the car that they sent. You know? nice. So then you realise, oh, God, this is really weird, restrictive world that they're all used to. The yeah. American actors were used to it. And also you kind of, but you bought it, once you're in it, you can't escape. Oh, you're, you're, I would, have had, I would are... have had petrol implants in, within a week <laughs> and been in 23 hours a day therapy yeah. and had my penis enlarged so hugely. <laughs> no, instantly. Because you do get paid silly money as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, But then it's all, uh, it was taxed. Almost to invisibility for the beginning, right. until I managed to prove that I didn't live in California and, and you get—I don't know—it was a really. It wasn't a sort of. It wasn't the glamour that it was meant to be. No, it's interesting. I was reading Rupert Everett's um, second autobiography, and he he did a 
a pilot of a, a sitcom he'd come up with about a British ambassador. Right. But it was, it was and, and um, who was in it? Um, I, Claudius, what's his name? Jacoby? Derek Jacoby was in it, but Derek Jacoby basically, you know, they they really fucked around with it and ruined it and changed it. To be honest, his original idea didn't sound brilliant either, but they they then made it even worse. But Derek Jacoby just said to him backstage as he was about to go on, no offence, but I really hope this doesn't get made. (laughs) Yes. I was a bit like that. But it is, because, you know, on the one hand, it's like a life-changing amount of money, but on the other hand, you can't escape the contract. No. Uh, at all, you know, and so... And it's six years, it's a six-year yeah. contract, so it's a big commitment to make. I mean, I think people like Hugh Laurie, you, you know, he got, he did it right. Yes. And, uh, you know, I have enormous respect for that. And also he was sort of, the, he, I've always thought he was the really good actor out of that generation. Right, yeah, he was yeah. the really extraordinary actor that you sort of think of as being, you know, he's just a sort of posh chap. Actually, I think he, when he acts, he's very yeah, good. Yeah. And, I mean, that was a really interesting series. It was massively popular in America. I mean, it's extraordinary how, what a star he gave, and how much money he would have got for doing that. Then you realise... I reckon over £20,000. Easily. Total, in total. In total. Could be... (laughs) I'd go as far as 35000 in total for 10 years' work. But it's it's interesting how those those moments can change your life. You know, your life can go one way or another way. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it, I can't really see. I can't see Red Dwarf working in, in with an American, the American system. That's I mean, it was. I don't know how. Yeah, it's a very. It was a very. I, I could have bought my third book out, which is <laughs> called "The Man in the Rubber Mask," which tells the story of that in yeah, great detail because it is a quite a complicated story of what, yeah. what happened there. But um, uh, the actual pilot itself wasn't that bad, and the actors in it are really, really good. They yeah. were very funny and really. Good. I mean, Jane Leaves played Holly, uh, the computer, and she was then in... Uh, um, Fraser. 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 Fraser for years as, yeah. the, as the sort of... I don't know quite what, she, what her accent was, because she's a posh girl from Surrey, but... Um, yeah, it was odd. She did a sort, sort of northern A northern accent, accent. That, that Americans would understand, <laughs> that, that no northern person has ever spoken. And then all of her family had to come over, who were all, again, English actors. Yeah. Who then had to do this ridiculous northern accent? That's right. Accent. It's the yeah. only bad thing. I love that, that sitcom. It's, a yeah. sitcom. it's the only slightly weird thing about that sitcom. Anyway, look, we better, right. we better. You know, no, we've we gone could, on for hours. We it's could go on all night. It's been very, very, uh, very, very enjoyable meeting you, and thank you for returning the favour and coming on my oh, thing because no. I've been on yours. And um, yeah, will you please give a massive round of applause to Rob Llewellyn, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you. You have been listening to Richard Herring's Left the Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Robert Llewellyn. Music was by Pess, thanks to Orange Mark, the British Comedy Guide, everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre, and Chris Evans, you know the one I mean by now, and all of his crew from Go Faster Strike. It was produced by wonderful Ben Walker. It's a fuzz Go Faster Strike and Sky Potato production. It goes out on the internet. Hooray! We'll be back with more next week. If you enjoyed that, you might also enjoy Rich Herring's Meaning of Life, which is also an iTunes and British Comedy Guide podcast. Uh, and you can watch a video of it at vimeo.com slash channel slash rhmol. That's all free. If you want a slightly longer version of that and the full interviews from that show, go to gofasterstripe.com slash rhmol and you can pay a small amount of money to see that. Or just donate some money and get a badge. Can do it per just one off or per month. That will help us make even more internet content, like a video version of As It Occurs to Me. You'd like to see that, wouldn't you? Well, you're going to have to pay a little bit because it's going to cost us a lot of money. So 
That's where your money will go. None of it will come to us. We'll just spend it on making more fantastic shows. Or come and see me on tour, richardherring.com slash gigs for We're All Going to Die dates, which are all selling pretty well. So book ahead if you want to come and see that. Thanks for listening. Or you can get uh, T-shirts at uh, richardherring.cottoncart.com and some mugs. Why not do that as well? Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.